Welcome, welcome back to the Boxing One Podcast. This is your boy, Jay Rich, a.k.a. John Richards, and I'm here with the homie, c Lass. What's up, Chris Lassiter? Chilling, bro. What's good with you? I'm good, man. Look, we're on episode number 59 of the podcast. Definitely enjoy going through these topics with you. And for anyone who's jumping in around this episode, we just like to talk about three things, right? We talk, like to talk about sports, culture, and theology through a very unique lens, and that is the lens of the gospel. Both of us are Christians. We love Jesus, but we also love sports, culture, and theology, and we like to discuss those things on a regular basis. So thankful for you guys who have joined us before, but for anyone who's jumping in here on episode number 59, that's what we do. And we're going to hop into our first topic, which is a sports topic, because we always lead with sports. And we are in the second round of the NBA playoffs, right? So the Celtics and Cavs are tied at two after LeBron did LeBron things in Cleveland and convincingly took both home games there. And as of this recording, the Rockets Warriors are 2-1 Warriors, right? And there are some questions early on in the series about Steph Curry's struggles and his offensive struggles, but he, he seemed to answer those questions, right, with a few uh, choice words and a little shimmy to boot. So we're going to talk about those choice words a little bit later. But as we're looking at these games, man, we've seen at least about six games already, right? And I need to ask you a question, man. Go for you. So we know that the Western Conference has had at least three games so far, and we've seen these players hooping, man. So my question is, man, we're sitting around chopping it up on the couch, and I say to you, see last, if you had to name your top three players in this series in the Western Conference, who would those players be? And are we going to agree on that? Uh, we're going to agree, but we're not going to agree on the order. But, I mean, in this case, I think, like, most of America would probably side with me. That's just me being objective. But <laughs> he I said got, most of America. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think when we get to the point, like, and maybe you say the same three, but it got to be, to me, Durant one, Curry two, Harden three. All right, tell me why. I think both of us can agree on Durant, right? He's averaging 33, four, and two. He's putting up 33 points a game. He's got to be number one, right? But I don't know, man. We're, we're probably going to disagree on two and three. So you need to tell me why you placed your two over your three, and I'll tell you why I placed my two over my three. Okay, Bat, did you see the Sean Livingston cross-up of James Harden? I absolutely saw it. I saw the memes, and I was there for all of it. <laughs> absolutely all of it. Hey, Rich. All right, so... That is just a microcosm of everything that is wrong with James Harden. Yes, he may give you 41. Yes, he may be the best ISO player in the league. But then you also have that part of James Harden's game, which is the Ole defense in the worst possible way. And um, just meme-worthy defense all the time. And uh, the, the biggest factor is uh, Harden actually has the highest point total in this series with 41. But you saw what happened with Steph having an 18-point quarter in the game where he gets 35 was much more of an impact on the game than Harden's 41. And so I think uh, 
if you just look objectively, like what has Harden really accomplished to make him number two? Uh, he may be the MVP this year in a year where most people feel like it really should go to LeBron when you look at their stats side by side, even though LeBron's team didn't have a great year. Uh, that definitely goes to Harden. But uh, he's got a history of these bad playoff performances. Uh, he had a horrible game three. I just don't see any way, even though, like, Steph has, like, he's a superstar in a system, which is usually something you don't compare, but he has to be in a certain system. But, man, when he gets it going, he's a game changer more than Harden to me. Now, you know for a fact that I love Steph Curry. Like, that's my boy, right? So this is going to be difficult for me because we talked about James Harden's Matador defense, but... Curry doesn't necessarily have Matador defense, but what the Rockets are doing, they're ISOing him every time. Like they have gone to a strategy of doing pick and rolls with Curry every time down the court. At some point, you got to feel like that's disrespectful to you, but they do it so that they can create those mismatches. And that's how they won game one, continuing to exploit Curry and his size. I mean, I would do it. I would do it every game just to make sure that Harden gets off, right? So not too much difference statistically for them, right? Harden's averaging 29-6-6, and six, Curry 23-6-5. and five. But I got to think about that Horward game one where I didn't see Steph Curry. And you mentioned, like, you know, mentioned earlier, hey, uh, his 41 isn't the same as Steph's 35. Well, that's because Durant had 35 too. I mean, you're not going to, I mean, he had 30 plus, whatever it might've been, but you're not going to see a game where Harden disappears and they win. Whereas you will see, and you have seen a game where Curry disappears and they actually win. So I'm factoring that in, giving all things being equal because both of them are shooting pretty bad from three, like Harden's at 33% and Steph's at 28 I've never seen Steph Curry shoot 28% from three-point range. So something's going on. Maybe he turns it around the next couple of games. But I'm going KD, Harden, Steph. And I'm probably going to go Gordon with a close fourth on that. Forget CP3. Bruh, you're getting crazy. Why am I getting crazy? First of all, the fourth and fifth player in this series are Clay and Draymond, and that's not even arguable. Like, they, they all all-stars all the time. Like, they got four all-stars on their team. And CP3 is infinitely better than Eric Gordon. And I like Eric Gordon, but he's not CP3. He's not he's not Hall of Fame. So, please, like, and then if we were going full disclosure, bruh, I know you John Livingston bruh, somewhere there, too. Bruh, Jay Rich, that list, your whole list, I don't know why you're doing this today. Bruh, CP3 is averaging four assists a game. When have you ever? known that to happen with cp3 nope, nope. we're not blaming cp3 for them iso calls jay rich like we not <laughs> they're not running the office through i mean he does not get the blame for that like you see what you see what harden does like you cannot move the ball get assist when someone is dominating the ball and scoring off the dribble and he's so you, good at it so you're but saying you be, because they changed their entire offense that i'm not going to be able to blame cp3 for only getting four assists a game you're a floor general you're a veteran you gotta both of those guys are ball dominant guys and we saw how that played out in game two because it just was not working for him 
So, so I'm J- trying, to, trying to figure out what kind of adjustments they're going to make. But I'm going KD1, Harden 2, and Steph 3. Fight me, bro. Look, Fight we, me. We'll be win all day, but listen, I'm going to try to put it into a context you can understand. I'm a pure point guard. Like I like to fashion myself as a CP3 type. So say you are, you got just great handles and you're on the wing, right? Mm-hmm. I can see you could take your man every time. Like, I'd be a clown, a clown, Jay Rich, to say, like, wait, if I give Jay Rich this ISO every time, my assist numbers is going to be off. I'm saying, <laughs> look, look, here's what you do. Every offensive possession, you attack the defense's weakness. Here's where it is. And until they stop that, we run this. So every time I'm saying, Jay Rich, this is going to look awkward to the rest of the team, but you got the weakest defender and you're our best ball handler attack every time until they make it switch if they do it four times and then switch then we run it for four possessions but if it's 24 times we run it 24 times because that's what pure point guards do see we built differently man you you got that point guard mentality i'm blaming him because he's not the floor general he's supposed to be right now i don't care if they're playing iso ball that's exploiting the enemy's weakness that's what a general does that's the exact general We're going to have to agree to disagree there. So so we got players two and three reversed here. And maybe, just maybe, if Curry steps it up these next several games, he might get the nod over Harden. We'll see what happens over the next couple of games, which are going to be played out here pretty soon. There's one tonight as we're recording this. So we'll see what's up, man. Speaking of seeing what's up, bro. Now, I'm pretty sure you spent your weekend doing one thing. Right, watching the royal wedding. I know you did. I know you did. Right. Um. So can I say yes and no? <laughs> so first of all, I did not wake up at five. I no. definitely didn't do that. No. But when I was up, my wife was all the way into it. I mean, like all the way into it. So that's true. Like, man. I mean, tens of millions of people. I think it was like twenty-six million or so in the u.s alone were up so early in the morning to watch this wedding and why why well because it's not a normal royal wedding right they usually marry internally so to speak i mean they're not kissing cousins like west virginia but they they hardly ever have and it hasn't happened since i think charlotte a long time ago um they haven't had an outsider marry one of the princes. And over the weekend, uh, Meghan Markle, who's an American. With a unique story. With a very unique story, got married to Prince Harry, who is the youngest of the princes in England, right? So uh, the youngest boy got married to Meghan Markle, who we know as Meghan from? Meghan from where? Well, she's from L.A., right? I mean, she was born in L.A. Her dad, ironically, was actually a lighting director on the show Married with Children, award-winning. Her mom is a social worker who kind of got props this weekend for being a bastion of grace, right? And she's a Northwestern grad, man, some Chicago connection. So there's an L.A. connection. You know, I lived in L.A. for a little bit. She uh, went to Northwestern, Chicago connection. So uh, see, we kind of cousins, man, a little bit. Light skin connection. <laughs> but here's the thing. I had a whole lot more friends interested than I thought would be 
but here I was here for all the moments in the wedding, right? And the memes. I didn't watch it, but I so love what we do with cultural moments, that being Black Twitter or that being social media, like all the memes that came out of it and all the reflections that came out of the wedding, I was here for all of it. I was not up at 6 a.m., but I enjoyed it. What was your favorite meme or favorite moment from the royal wedding that you were just like, wow, this is really was an event that was profound in our history? Um, so for me, it actually wasn't one of the funny moments, but it was the culmination of we're going to show the world in a time when the world desperately needs to see this, that we're going to embrace culture. And um, there were so many, uh, the pastor, like the music, right? The songs, uh, the spe- just the specifics of the songs, the words of the songs, uh, the people they chose to play music. All of it was just saying like, just this moment. Uh, that we are going to embrace. It almost was like the feeling you had when you um, felt like, oh, Wakanda could be a thing, you know? Um, But this was real life and they were embraced with some pushback, right? Like not everybody was hyped that the the wedding was for the culture, but um, you just left with this overwhelming sense of like, we can embrace these people. We can honor their traditions. And it was done in an excellent way. And I think the one thing I was here for is just the story, uh, Megan's story specifically. I mean, here we have a divorcee, someone who's been divorced, uh, someone who is not of English pedigree, who is now marrying into the royal family. I mean, that is a story that everybody can get on board with. And I think that's what really excited people about this wedding. I mean, women and men alike. And I saw dudes like legit, like, Hey man, this is, this is great. This is a great cultural moment for us. And I was definitely someone who didn't tune in, but I appreciated the storyline behind it. And Megan's work with world vision Canada. I mean, she just seems like a really, really solid person. So it was good to see something good happening to her even after experiencing a divorce. Now, I will tell you, I was here for the meme I sent you this morning <laughs> from, coming to, <laughs> from coming to America where they juxtaposed the sexual chocolate scene onto the wedding. It was amazing. Probably by far my favorite meme that happened uh, this week. And I would definitely encourage people to go Google that because it was hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the jokes, like I'm always here for the jokes too. So just the people that was like, wow, like Megan's friends put her on a blind date with a prince. I need new friends. Just uh, (laughs) so many, so many great memes, so many great jokes coming out of the wedding that, um, definitely I was here for all of those too. So just the, I left the wedding. I mean, I'm like you, I didn't tune in, but I was very cognizant that this is the biggest thing going on in our world at the moment in terms of something good, so. All right, man, speaking of big things going on, because we're both Christians, we're both former athletes. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) former. If you want to put it that way. So we understand kind of some of the responsibility that comes with being an athlete and being a Christian, right? 
Uh, and a lot of people do know that Steph Curry is a Christian. Like he does a lot of charity work. Uh, he has this thing during the season where every three pointer he hits, he buys nets for folks uh, in overseas countries who are exposed to malaria. So doing some great work. But in game three, Steph got caught up in a moment, I think, right? So he had 35. You mentioned that 18 in the third quarter. And during that outbreak, right? <laughs> He had a nice little crossover, nice little layup with the and one. And the camera was definitely tuned to his mouth. And he definitely dropped the F-bomb on national television. Now, we discovered that his mom wanted to wash his mouth out with soap. You know, they're a devout Christian family. So, uh, you know, the media jumped all over that story. But it also kind of makes us think about our own time on the court, right? And how easy it is for us to get caught up in that moment, right? So question for you, man. I know you, you know play, you play high school ball, college ball as a, as a Christian, as a believer. What kind of responsibility or responsibilities do Christian athletes have to hold their tongue? Like how do you walk that fine line between bravado and humility when you're dealing in competitive sports, we like being competitive. So how do you walk that fine line, see last? Help the people out. All right, great. So just, I don't want to take a lot of time here, Jay Rich, but um, if, if you were just to kind of outline um, my journey, like my spiritual journey, it was a lot of things. I grew up in a home that definitely went to church. Um, but there were a lot of things that really were pushing me towards Christ in a personal way, like making my faith my own, not something that my parents were dragging me to, but I didn't go to church probably once the entire time I was in college. So, um, but there was, God was definitely working on me and getting my attention. I actually had a bunch of teammates who became Christians in that process too. But for almost all of us, it was like the year after college where we really got serious about the Lord and um, responded to his gracious call. So uh, this was something that happened right after my playing career, um, but I was brought up in the church, and so I was very careful um, how I represented those things. Um, and so I think there's those there's that two ways of looking at it, right? Like there's that idea um, that we're we're never going to be perfect as we strive for holiness. We rest in grace, right? So um, there's just going to be times um, where you are that adamic nature <laughs> pops up and reveals how you respond in certain situations. Right. And then I think the, the key there is the humility that um, responding and saying, Hey, that's not like Christ. Like I don't get it perfect all the time. Right. Um, and then there's that overarching picture of like really giving careful thought to as a second point, um, what does it look like to model Christ in this position? Like, how do I honor my opponents in offense, like in winning and in losing? Like, how do I do both of those things graciously? And so um, how, do I, how do I implement Philippians 2, all of Philippians 2, into how I proceed basketball? How do I consider people more um, important than myself? How does that translate to how I honor my teammates? How does it translate to how I honor the people I'm playing against? Um, how do I demonstrate humility? How do I communicate 
in a way that like God made me and made me to perform and perform at the highest level, but also do so in a humble way. Uh, and those are things that we think through and uh, we're all in different parts of that process, but those are things even in rec league that I would think through that like, Hey, um, me being an ambassador for Christ is anything is more important than anything that's going to happen on the scoreboard. Of course, that's not my paycheck either. But for example, uh, just really quickly, like one thing we would always do was we would buy Gatorades for the opposing teams. Um, and after the game, we would always make sure that they got a drink just because we wanted to like be that example and really thought through that stuff critically. So what about you, man? I enjoy giving people buckets for Jesus. I'm sorry. That's it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, seriously, bro. I mean, this is definitely like, uh, definitely one of those, those struggle things, man. Right. So, so you want to, especially someone who has a competitive drive, you want to be able to compete at a high level and people talk trash. Like I, I talk trash from time to time and I try to find that adequate balance. But you know, there are times where people are like, man, I didn't, wow, you're in ministry. Like, and those are those moments where it's like, wait a second, <laughs> he bounces I'm in ministry because I'm talking smack on the court. That really draws me back to, you know, what you said in Philippians 2. But Paul proceeds that in Philippians 1, right, by saying, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But he doesn't leave it there. And he tells you how to let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel in Philippians 2 by saying, have that same mind that Jesus had. So challenging you to say, your manner of life should look like that, which is humility, counting others better than yourself, even on the basketball court. So difficult, though. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. Um, so, and I'm even still, still trying to work that even in rec league play. Like I have a pastor who is a campus pastor at uh, one of the churches that I attended who stopped playing basketball altogether. He was a D1 basketball player. Stopped playing rec basketball altogether because he, he felt like he was – getting outside of himself, getting outside of that Philippians 2 um, mindset. Um, I'm still working through it, bro, uh, just to be honest. So uh, those are things that definitely when I see folks like Steph Curry uh, getting caught up in that moment, like I'm not going to – I don't curse. I haven't in decades. Um, but it might be a – might be a little shimmy. You know, it might be a little shove or something. Not a shove, but a little, little elbow. Uh, that I throw that isn't Christ-like, quote-unquote. Um, so definitely something even in competitive sports that that brothers yeah. and sisters still have to work through, man. Um, it's definitely part of that sanctification process and, and yeah. working and process. Yeah, and so part of that, like for me, like take the cursing, for example. Like I didn't grow up in a home where I heard a lot of cursing at all. Like really none that I can imagine, like remember. And so, like, that just wasn't my natural response to things. So that's kind of easy for me to control, right? Um, but what about those other areas that aren't so prone, um, where the gospel needs to speak to you and how you compete, right? Like, and so one of the things we have to do is, like, imagine how big that stage is for Steph. And then don't compare his strengths um, or his weaknesses to your strengths, compare his weaknesses to your weaknesses. So if you battle with self-doubt and you would never talk down to another person, but you would talk down to yourself in a way that's not Christ-like when you miss a jump shot, like the gospel needs to speak to that. You know what I'm saying? And so there's so many areas where we can examine through the lens of the gospel, the way that we 
um, come to athletics, right? But like cursing wasn't a big thing to me, but like I wasn't grown up in that environment. So it wasn't something that was like the chief part of the sanctification process. But there's some other ways where I compete that the gospel would have to go in and do more work. So I want to be careful to say that too. Um, like I don't look at Steph and just like have this condemning finger. I just say, oh, that's like when I do X, Y, Z, where I struggle to fully embrace the gospel in this situation when I compete. So, yeah, moments like those definitely make you turn inward. Should they should like your first thing should not be pointing your finger at Steph. It should be saying, what do I do? That's like that. That might not be the best gospel witness. And knowing that Steph has that platform praying for him, that um, he would honor Christ with that platform that he has. All right, quickly, man, we like talk, We like telling people what we're le- reading and what we're listening to, right? So uh, I want to quickly let you know what I've been reading, um, which is How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, Leveraging Influence When You Lack Authority by Clay Scroggins. He's the, one of the assistant pastors at North Point uh, with Andy Stanley. He's kind of second in charge, and that's where I am at the center uh, here at the Billy Graham Center. So Definitely enjoying that. Would commend that to anyone who is in an executive position who may be second in charge. Uh, it's called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. What about you, C-Lass? I'm going to go the musical route because I love, love, love music. And we missed the podcast last week and Jackie Hill Perry's CD came out. Uh, I don't know why I said CD because nobody has CDs anymore. But her- Because you're, uh, you're from the 80s, 90s. <laughs> Her new project is out and it has been a blessing to my soul. And just her and all her label mates seem to just have this genre of Christian hip hop that is mature, that speaks to issues and is just high quality art as terms of the music itself. Um, The production of it, uh, just what it sounds like sonically. uh, It really just encourages me every time Humble Beast has a release and uh jackie hill perry is one of my favorites uh sometimes people will say she's got to be the best female mc i think you can remove female from that argument just one of the best mcs period uh so i'm always super encouraged when her music comes out so that's my resource you want to grow in christ you want something uh you can bump and grow in christ too like you got to get jackie hill perry's new cd crescendo crescendo agreed so good so good all right closing shout outs i'll give you mine first uh so i'm gonna give a closing shout out to uh greg grant in my hometown i mean uh he's deceased now but i'll just tell you briefly he actually uh died trying to save someone in a riptide in the ocean uh, in my hometown and the child survived uh it's such an amazing micro picture of the gospel. I played basketball with him in high school. And it's just a reminder of all of our desires for a hero and needing rescue, um, even a deeper rescue. So praying for the Grant family, but shout out to him for being so selfless and giving up of himself um, to try to save a child. Ah, man, that's, I think I've told you this before, and I even wrote about it in a book that I wrote, but uh, Joe Delaney, number 37, Kansas City Chiefs, died June 29, 1983, trying to save two kids, three kids at Chenault Park in Monroe, Louisiana. 
and saved one kid named Lamarcus Holland and drowned with the other two. And my dad told mm. me that story when I was little. And I said, Dad, I'm going to wear number 37 and I'm going to be a Chiefs fan. Like that story just even I mean, I'm at second grade at this point, Jay Rich, but like it just resonated with me so much. Um, just that I think we're just drawn to gospel stories, right? Like uh, self-sacrifice. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, mm. I, I lament with you in that one. And uh, I just want to shout out my man, uh, Tony, Tony Davenport. He was actually the shooting guard at my high school, my senior year when I was the point guard. We lived together after he's just a real loyal friend. But um, we have a crew here in my hometown of Stanton. And uh, my cousin bought a house and hurt his back trying to fix it. And Tony organized a work party. Uh, so we could go over and start getting some of that work done. Um, and it just meant a lot to me to be part of that and to see him taking initiative for the benefit of others. That's the definition of servant leadership. So that was just really cool to me. Shout out to Tone. Shout out to Tone. What's up, man? All right, man. That's been episode number 59. Wow. We got through episode number 59 and we're knee deep in the second round of the playoffs. About to go watch some Golden State Warriors basketball. Who you got tonight? Real quick. Give the prediction. I got those dubs, man. Of course. Got those dubs. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So once we come back next go round, we'll know the result of that game. We'll also probably know the matchup for the NBA Finals. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, other than that, make sure you guys go over to Twitter at Boxing One Podcast, Facebook at Boxing One Podcast, and check out our website, BoxingOnePodcast.com. All of our episodes are up there. If you're just joining us, thank you for joining us on this journey, and we hope that you enjoy the ride. Until next go-round, it's your boy Jay Rich and C. Lass. Grace and peace to you all. Peace.